No matter what, we stay together. We're changing everything. Bitches, man. Welcome to Avant Bard Spooptober Month, a podcast where two theatrically inclined horror fans explore the deepest depths of the human psyche and soul through works inspired by that upstart crow himself, Willie Ah Shakespeare. It's like I'm falling down like a shaft, like on Tower of Terror. My name is Megan Bloodflow, and I use she, her pronouns. We're running really fast out of these, Megan. Yeah, I I think we gotta quit the podcast. Okay. (laughs) And my name is Matthew Maimed Marquez. That's not as bad, actually. (laughs) And I use he, him pronouns. So last episode, we forgot to say MVPs. Oh, shit. So... Uh, who's your MVP for Throne of Blood? My MVP for Throne of Blood is Toshira Mifune as Washizu. And mine is not, so I'm sorry. Uh, he will not be in the running. Because mine is Ishizu Yamada as Asagi. That's fine. I like both of them. I like both of them. But But they are are not in the running for MMVP. We are divided house. Oh. Oh, well. And we are here today to talk about 2013's Warm Bodies, a zombie romantic comedy written and directed by Jonathan Levine, produced by Make Movies and Mandeville Films that pays homage to William Shakespeare's tragedy, Romeo and Juliet. I really hate the fact that they've put the word pays homage. They say that so much. Yeah, when it's inspired by, we, we could just say that. It doesn't no. like pay homage. It's inspired by. No, no, no. It's inspired by and based off the book. Paying homage if the ground floor we're at is that they are star-crossed lovers. And we are past that ground floor by several stories. Yeah. The zombie film is an interesting genre. And we're not really here to talk about the zombie film genre because everything that Warm Bodies does turns it's not blown off head you know, it turns it on its head. You know, it's not blown off head because zombies need to do that. No, zombies don't do that. You need to do that to zombies. Most zombie films have an anti-capitalist pro-nihilism bent to them as though, like, it doesn't matter. We're all going to die. And Warm Bodies is a film that takes kind of the opposite stance by having the movie be a twee romance between an apocalyptic survivor and a zombie with a heart. Aww. Warm Bodies was released on February 1st, 2013, cost $35 million, and made $117 million, which makes it a pretty big hit, despite the fact that I think it doesn't have that much of a cultural footprint. Maybe- there were t-shirts at Hot Topic, and I bought one. Okay, were there t-shirts at Hot Topic, like, today? No. Oh, like, no. No. Okay. No, in, like, like tw- 2013. Okay, because I think you could buy, like, a Twilight they, t-shirt today. They had today. t-shirts that were, like, cold body, warm heart. And I, I was like, I'm pretty cold all the time, and I bought it. Also, I liked the film. I did not think it was a film thing. 
Yeah, so I watched the special features on the DVD after we watched it because I just wanted to see. Because I specifically bought the DVD because I was like, how did I own a t-shirt of this film and not own the DVD? So I bought it. Because oh, yeah, that's why I this episode is also late. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was waiting for the DVD to come in. I'm sorry. It's a one-disc DVD, and I just am shocked by how much special features were on this DVD, because usually you buy a DVD like this, and it's like, subtitle options, two. There might be a commentary (laughs) with, like, the producer, or, like, someone that you're like, why? (laughs) Yeah, but this DVD had, like, commentary with the director and the two stars, and then a bunch of little 16-minute featurettes about every aspect of the film's production which i think is wild and i think it was entirely done so that teenage girls could buy this dvd and learn everything they could about their cutie nicholas holt and all the stuff that went into making this cute little movie that they love that's not a bad thing but here's my question hold on i'm gonna tangent for a second In 2013, did the teens like Nicholas Holt? Because that's the thing. It's like, he's supposed to be the romantic lead in the zombie film in the era that's still reeling from Twilight. You are jumping the gun. Sorry, okay. We could talk about Nicholas Holt. When we talk about Nicholas Holt? We will talk about Nicholas Holt in the section that you abhor, but I think that you are actually interested in discussing Nicholas Holt. Yeah. So from watching the DVD special features, which I was actually very bored by, because I don't think that they were very (laughs) exciting, I learned a couple of things. This film is based on a book. We learned that while watching the film. We looked it up, but the book was not published when the film was optioned. Books get optioned all the time. There are actually a lot of like genre fiction, especially before it gets published. Like it will be out in the ethos before a publisher picks it up. And movie producers can buy the rights to your book before it gets published. Just so they could. What if it like doesn't get published? It happens all the time, Megan. What? Megan, it happens all the time. It's like this movie's based on a book that never came out. Usually the movie then doesn't get made, but. Oh, okay. But. All variations happen. Like, they buy it, the book comes out, the movie doesn't get made. They buy it, the book never comes out, the movie gets made. Then the book comes out after the movie is... Because it's like, ah! Or, like, the movie is starting to get made and then it's immediately canceled. Like, all all of these things happen. But this was a very simple... The producer, Bruna Papandrea, was told by a friend to read this book manuscript by Isaac Marion. And she was like, I just started my own production company. I'll just option this cute zombie book. I'm sorry. Can you say the name of their production company? Oh, it's Make Movies, Megan? I hate it. Megan, it's okay. It it didn't last. Yeah. (laughs) And the producer of the film, Bruna Papandrea, went on to produce Gone Girl with Reese Witherspoon. That's a pretty big, famous movie, Megan. The original short story by Isaac was a viral hit online, and that's what gave it the push to be somebody told him to make it into a book. Wait, do people put original works of fiction online that aren't just fan fiction? Yeah, Megan. What? Yeah, Megan. 
It's the internet, Megan. People put all sorts of shit online. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just because fan fiction is like the number one thing to read a fiction online. I'm just like, no, the only unique fiction online is webcomics. I mean, I don't read short stories online. No, but then I think about the fact that there's like short horror story things on Reddit. And I'm like, well, yeah. That's the same thing. Yeah, and just Megan, even shorter. Those people then get published in actual books because their short stories on Reddit get so good. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I solved my problem. While making this film, one of the problems that the filmmakers faced was that the book has an internal monologue. The director and screenwriter Jonathan Levine didn't want to rely on voiceover to tell the story. He says in an interview, but I think that he does rely on yeah, voiceover. Yeah, it was like the whole like first half of the film relies very heavily on it. I just wanted to put that out there because I heard that and I just went, well... You did. You did. <laughs> just because it goes away like halfway through the film doesn't mean you didn't rely on it to tell the story. Another thing I noticed while perusing through these special features is the way that this cast and crew talk about it being an homage to Romeo and Juliet is wild. I mean, I guess you could say I read a play once and very vague aspects of it might have stuck to my brain. <laughs> like some of the actors are just like, I didn't realize it was a balcony scene until we were shooting it. No. They are, no. the main characters are called R and Julia. Julie. Nora. These are names of characters. The last thing I want to mention on the special features is that the director called the relationship between R and Julie a Romeo and Juliet relationship and kind of a Frankenstein relationship. And I don't know what the hell that's supposed to mean. Well, you know, Julie she created, created him and, and resents him. Is it because and R of... resents him. And... Spoiler, is it because of the fact that Frankenstein wants love yes. and belonging and that's what R wants and also she's the reason he spoiler returns to life yes but that's stupid but that's not the themes or nothing like this yeah that's not the themes of frankenstein the themes of frankenstein are about man's hubris and what is the value of life then uh, why don't you uh, talk about romeo and juliet okay so, we've talked about Romeo and Juliet more than literally any other play, so if you don't know it by now, it's okay, I'll still tell you, because what else do I live for? Romeo and Juliet is about a pair of star-crossed lovers. Their families hate each other, they don't even remember why at this point, but they will literally kill each other in the streets. But they fall in love with each other at a party where they're wearing masks, but everyone still knows who they are. They just don't. And then they figure it out. And then they're like, oh, no. And so they're like, oh, our families will never be okay with this. Cool. Let's get married anyway. And they get married. And then they're like, oh, okay, what are we going to do? And Romeo kills Juliet's cousin, which is just a bad move. And then he gets banished. And she's like, what am I going to do? And Fire Lawrence is this guy who's there throughout the whole thing. It's very important. He's a very important character. And <laughs> he's like, drink a poison. Pretend that you're dead. Then Romeo will hear that you're dead and come and kill himself. And she's like, great. And then that happens. And she's like, what? He killed himself. And then she kills herself. And then everyone's like, oh, lack the day. What have we done? And the moral of the story is, well, <laughs> <laughs>
I don't think the moral of the story is well, <laughs> Megan. I was 100% with you this whole way until you said that the moral of the story was well. <laughs> now the moral's like, oh, feuds, man. <laughs> the enduring power of love can change the world. Yeah, except they don't get anything from it. They're that's both not, dead. That doesn't mean that's not no, the theme, know, just because they don't benefit from I it. I know. It's one of those German fairy tales, you know? Where they die. Where then, they all die, and then it's just like... But you're supposed to learn the lesson. Yes. <laughs> like, it's for your benefit. It's for your benefit, child. <laughs> Read about the brutal gouging out of this man's eyes so that you do better in life. I don't know how to transition, man, from that. Acting corner! <laughs> Okay, you want to do this, Megan? You want to start it? I mean, obviously. Oh, I'm you. running it. Okay, so Nicholas. <laughs> no, Holt. no, 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 no. No, you. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna look at your notes. I'm uh, just gonna. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Tell me about Nicholas Holt. Okay, what Nicholas you know? Holt was in X Men First Class. Yes. And he did great. Sure, he's fine. That character. I have a question. Yeah. So earlier you were talking about how he's the teen heartthrob. Yeah. Was he, though, in yes. 2013? Really? For teens? I thought it was just for, like, gay men in their 20s. In uh, <laughs> the UK. Oh. Oh, right. Because he was <gasps> the pretty bad boy in the UK skins. My jaw is literally <laughs> dropped. I completely forgot that he's from the UK. Yes. So. so oh, he, my God. He, yeah, that this was that him getting international hottie this is around the point he did like a couple of indie films this was so. his rise though this is i mean i mean this is not his rise but this is the time of it. his rise yes this is part of it oh because, okay because i was like i don't remember ever seeing him prior to this film well when this came out he was yeah in a lot of indie darlings and then okay. he was from skin so people knew him from that but then, like, around this point, you were getting Hank McCoy, the Beast. That's part where he's, like, hanging upside down and doing his, like, science. Like, Megan getting some really, really, like, sharp memories of X-Men First Class here. That was my favorite X-Men film when it came out because I was attracted to most of the people except for Mystique, who I was like, they did her dirty. Well, yeah. I mean, we don't have time to get into. We don't have time. That the, this when, is not... we, when we cover X Men First Class, we'll get into. <laughs> oh it. yeah, that Shakespeare adaptation. I don't know. I think one day we might talk about it if we're talking about Shakespearean characters, Ooh. like characters that we consider Shakespearean. We should do a bonus episode about that. Yeah, because I think Magneto. I could talk for a good long while on why he's Shakespearean. He also played Nux in Mad Max Fury Road. Oh my God! How did I forget that? The hottest character he's split. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. But like, great character. Great uh, film. He was cast as Nux before he played Beast. But since that film had a shit long development period, they had to stop filming. And so he had to look for other work while <laughs> that was happening. Thank so, God. And so he did the Beast. <gasps> Thank God. Thank you, Fury Road, for taking so long. So Nicholas Holt is hot. I think that Nicholas Holt is a hot actor with very good eyes. I think his eyes are great. See, so here's the thing about him. I feel like he is conventionally, unconventionally attractive. You are correct, Megan. And it's 
good. And that is why he plays like, ah, he's just an English guy who you're supposed to think is cute. When he plays those roles, I think he's boring. He played like J.R.R. Tolkien in a Tolkien biopic. What? Nobody. Did he really? I'm watching it. I am. (laughs) i'm gonna start watching it and see if i stay awake but like when he plays just a normal guy i think he's not great yeah but when he plays like a weird little freak i'm like give me more nicholas holt and this is the start of that i feel like part of it is he plays r yeah 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 yeah. romeo if you couldn't guess i think part of the reason why those roles are so fun is you can tell he's having fun yes he leans into it, and he does not... And he takes it seriously. He does not care that he looks silly. Yes, he will make ugly faces, which I comment on a lot. When Marquez is like, he's really attractive as R, and I go, did you see the face he's literally making right now? And he's like, yeah, because he's playing a zombie. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, he's not afraid to look ugly-ish. I mean, that's why he's good as Nux. That's why he's good as the Beast. He puts on the makeup. Now, do they write out of the movie that he can change to and from? Yes, they do that. Well, they also do it with Professor X where he's just like, and I have use of my legs even though Uh... I have a disability. And I'm like, these movies suck later. He was also in The Favorite, a movie that I need to show Megan. (gasps) You do. He's great in it. He plays a very pompous british nobleman who like so instead of a freaky little dude he's a fucking little dude yeah yeah. (laughs) that fucking little dude i think that that's what people misread about him in skins and i think that he is memorable in skins because in that show he plays a sexually manipulative shitty guy shitty guy that like you're like attracted to you're like oh i hate that i like him it's like what joss whedon did to spike Sure, yes, yeah. And you're like, you little shit. So, like, when he's bad, you like him. Or when he's weird. Yeah. But never when he's normal. Yeah. And he does a lot for R. He worked very hard, and everyone said on set and behind the scenes that, like, he threw himself into it. So all the zombies... Why am I emotional? I was about to start crying. Like, because you're an actor. Really care- That's true. Yeah. So I'm when you find out that an actor really... Impressed people by, like, caring, I'm yeah. like, they're doing the job they should. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't phone it in. I think he's great. I want him to be in more things. I just want to also say that when they were looking for an actor for R for this film, they were trying to think of who would be the new Johnny Depp. And I don't mean Johnny Depp. I mean 80s Johnny Depp. Who will be the new crybaby Edward Scissorhands? Yes. And Nicholas Holt, in fact, referenced that he used Edward Scissorhands as inspiration for R. You can totally see it in the makeup and the face. Like... Yeah, it's just you the, the way it. that he's gentle is also very Edward Scissorhands as though, like, it's it's a very similar role in that Edward Scissorhands can hurt everything that he touches, so therefore he is very gentle with everything. And R being a zombie who has a heart knows that if he lost control, he could eat his love and so has to be gentle and kind. That's something that's so wild about this film is just the fact that he's like, I'll keep you safe. And I'm like, what? They don't really seem to do the zombie thing of like, well, I guess it's more of a vampire thing of like, oh, if you smell the blood, you might attack. If you smell the brain, you might just go for it. Like, 
They don't really seem to have that, except for the bonies. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get to the bonies. Back to actual living people who play roles. Yep, uh, I'm going to go off and uh, talk about Teresa Palmer, who plays Julie, our Juliet. She's in this film? So she was in a bunch of sci-fi fantasy stuff around the same time as Warm Bodies. She was probably just catching the wave of Twilight YA novel-esque teen apocalypse. When they're like, this is dismantled. Yeah. And I stand in front of a window and have tattoos. There are four houses in Dermajerbam. <laughs> and they're based on the moon. There's the full moon, the waning moon, the waxy moon, and the new moon. And the, you can't talk to each other unless it's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And you have to defy the order in order to break the chain. Because it turns out that actually there's a fifth house that's secret and hidden, and it's the sun, and they're controlling everything. And the moon houses. Megan, all did their, we just write a all YA their sexiest, novel? <laughs> all their sexiest young people need to band together to fight the sun. I mean... I'd read it. <laughs> I think we created a pretty good. Someone write this as a short story and post it online. And how we're <laughs> and how we're treating Teresa Palmer in our acting corner is exactly how Hollywood treated Teresa Palmer. Oh, I think, I'm sorry. Because I think she's a pretty good actress, and I think she's well, she pretty, does good in this. She does good work in this movie, and yet she's in like nothing after this and like the thing of note that i put down that either i or megan would be interested in for any reason is that she married the actor that played steven stills in scott pilgrim versus the world uh, also john malkovich is in this film yeah uh he plays colonel grigio John Malkovich is a famous stage actor that got his start at the Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago before winning an Emmy for the televised production of his Broadway run of Death of a Salesman, where he played Biff. He was in Spielberg's Empire of the Sun. He's been nominated for two Oscars. He's in a shit ton of things. He was the subject of the film being John Malkovich because they wanted a character actor not famous enough so that it'd be weird that the movie was about them as a person, but famous enough that people knew who he was. So like, I know that film, but I've never seen it. It's very weird. Megan. Yeah. Like would I like it. Is it that kind of weird? Yes. Or, okay. Yes. I think you would like I've it. I've been thinking of watching it since I saw his face in this film. It's very surreal. That's not John Malkovich. It's just wild that he's in this movie also because he, is kind of too big to be yes. in this movie. It's funny because we're talking about being John Malkovich and like, yeah, he's not big enough that it would be weird and he's not small enough that it would be weird. But then he's in this and you're like, John Malkovich is in yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. And I don't like John Malkovich. I need to state that. I don't like his acting style because I don't like how theatrical he is. I think it works for this role. It does. It does. He's basically Mr. Capulet. Mr. Capulet. Mr. Capulet. <laughs> Mr. Julie's dad. He's Capulet. He's like a authoritarian figure for the survivors. Which works for John Malkovich. Yes. It's very, um, I want to say community Shakespeare. Yes. But he's good. He but doesn't... he's good. Like, he'd be great as any authoritarian role. Yeah. It's just if you're like, and he's Mercutio, you're like, okay. <laughs> I have one more actor that I didn't put on my notes because I didn't want the secret to get out. I always have a secret for Megan. Oh. Leo Tipton, who plays Nora, 
Yeah. Was the last eliminated model on cycle 11 of America's Next Top Model. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) I watched that cycle. Why don't I remember this? And. Oh my God, she's great. Well, Megan, well, you didn't know this, but now I'm telling you, Megan. Leo Tipton announced in 2021 that they (gasps) are queer, (gasps) non-binary. And uh, use they, them pronouns. Oh my god, do they have a TikTok? <laughs> do they have a... I guess that, <laughs> that's your first... They play Nora, who is our nurse. They're great in this film. Did they get taken out of America's Next Top Model? they're like, you're more of an actor. <laughs> I don't think that they would have. We should check to see them getting eliminated. Because, again, they were the last eliminated. They were in the top three. So Marquez and I just went on a very long, unnecessary, unnecessary tangent of finding Leo Tipton on social media that we do. So I think we're going to take a break from that and get back to the podcast and start the film. Yeah. We open in an airport, which the producer and director and everyone were like jerking off about the fact that it starts in an airport from what I could see. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, liminal space. Oh, zombies. You know, uh, it's like us, that airports are someplace that you go to and you go from, but you never stay in. And yet, all the zombies, like, not all, there's a ton of zombies that seem to just wander the airport all day. And the whole first scene is just a voiceover of our talking about how hard it is to connect with people and... It's funny because R is a zombie and everyone he knows is a a zombie. zombie. And zombies don't talk. And I guess I can connect this to at the start of Romeo and Juliet, if we skip like the first scene. Romeo's a little bitch baby. Yes. Uh, And he is just like, oh, my life's so hard. And he is aimless. Yeah, he's like, I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have anyone to love. The person I love is not... Into me. Into me. What do I do? Like, I don't even want to go out. So it makes sense. And something that R brings up is how the apocalypse happened doesn't matter. Yeah, they don't remember. Yeah. And that is a lot like the feud. I think it works better than the feud. I mean, part of my problem with the feud is... If you don't remember why it started, why are you so big on it? Yeah. Which I, I know is the point. Yeah. I just, I think that the themes of Romeo and Juliet don't really matter for the feud in the play yeah but i think that the idea that the apocalypse doesn't matter why should i care this is my life i'm just going to live it is a very important theme in warm bodies it's very important to r as a character i mentioned this being an anti-nihilism film and i think that this is part of it is we get a lot of what R is thinking and what he is mostly thinking is like, I was probably a no one in my real life. He's very down on himself. Yes. Another note is that I hate this twee music. (laughs) I just, I really don't like. This movie is like, hi, what if there is the beginning of this movie is like, hi, what if this was 500 days of summer and also Joss Whedon helped direct it. Yeah. and And yet there were zombies. And the director constantly mentioned how he didn't want it to be too sentimental or too cheesy. And I think it is, oh, is is it toeing that line though, my dude? Yeah. The beginning has a 
a lot of, oh, things are bad, but you know what else is bad? Stinky brains. There's a lot of like, I'm so lost. I don't know where I'm. No, but really, I don't know where I am. I've never been in this part of the airport. <laughs> we, we look terrible because we're zombies. Yeah. Get it? Because zombies decay and rot. Speaking of decay and rot, we are introduced to the concept of bonies. Let's talk about bonies, Let's man. talk about bonies. One, they're CGI and I'm upset by it. It looks bad. Two, bonies are the completely soulless, heartless decay of zombies once they give up. We see zombies like tear their skin off and become bonies. And yeah, it's just like when they've completely given up and they're just nihilism. Yeah. So bonies are when zombies become nihilists and there's no chance of them coming back from this. He also has a friend named (sighs) M. I mean, we don't know this. But later in the film, when he tries to say his name, he makes an mm sound. Yeah. So we're like, oh, it's Mercutio. Got it. Yeah. And they have conversations, which is them groaning at each other until like a word or two comes out. But they are just kind of going through the motions of what their lives were. It's kind of just like... They sit at the bar and just groan. (laughs) Yeah. And at one point, M puts his finger up for a waiter or a bartender to get him a drink, but there's no one there. And he doesn't know why he put his hand up to like call for someone. And it's just like, yeah, they're just going through the motions of what they did in life. R also mentions that humans are always trying to shoot them in the head. Ah, those dang humans. Those dang humans. I mean, considering we don't open with a fight between zombies and humans, this is being like, yeah, it's not like it's only us attacking humans. Like, we have to to eat, but they just shoot us in the head. Megan, do you understand how much of a hell it would be to be in R's position to have a fully functioning Brain brain and be like... I have to do a terrible thing and probably get killed for it. Like you don't have control of your... Needs to survive? (laughs) Yes, but you just like... And you can't communicate Yes, yeah, Yeah. be awful. They also comment on how they hunt in packs and R just goes, oh, we're moving so slow. This is going to take a while. Because you see, Megan, what you don't know, Megan, as an audience member... Right. Is that if you comment on the conventions of a genre, it's funny. Ha 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 ha. And fuck Joss Whedon. Like, er- okay, here's the thing, guys. Joss Whedon didn't do anything on this film, but. But he did. By that, I mean the culture around this film is 100% people trying to be like Joss Whedon. Trying to, you know, have characters comment on the conventions in order to make a joke or to undercut something. And it is something that really, really evolved into the MCU culture. That really happened. Oh, he's right behind me, isn't he? This absolute trash culture. And thankfully, the movie doesn't get too much further This is like the worst it is, is at the start. But it is just part of it all. And it is Joss Whedon's fault. I will blame Joss Whedon. It's okay because he's a very, very easy target. Yeah. Nobody's going to defend Joss Whedon. And like no one is like, man, I have to be like Joss Whedon. It's just that's the mindset. He was a powerhouse, especially in. It was successful. Comedic supernatural realms. Yeah. So you can't blame anyone for being influenced by it. No, it's just something you had to do. And I think that that's what is so interesting about Twilight 
is because I think that Twilight takes everything so sincerely that it is wild in comparison to what else was going on at the time. Yes. It was like... Especially that terrifying baby. Because... (laughs) We're moving on. We cut to the humans, and we see John Malkovich on a big screen. Yeah, he goes on a big screen and talks to all these kids. And Julie, oh man, Megan, know what I love in a film? When a character says dad at the end of a sentence, so you know that the other character is their dad. Because he just goes like... Zombies are, uh, or sorry, corpses. Oh yeah, oh, corpses. Corpses, not zombies, corpses. They look human, but they're not. They're uncaring, unfeeling, incapable of remorse. And Julie's like, sound familiar, dad? Dad. Got him on that recording. And here's the thing, Megan. That's not John Malkovich's character's thing at all. I think he cares a lot. That's (laughs) why it's so weird. I understand incapable of remorse, maybe. Yes. Because he believes that what he's doing is right. But he cares deeply about his people and his daughter and his wife and their survival yeah so like if she's only commenting on the incapable of remorse fine but it sounds like she's commenting on all of it which isn't fine it always makes me laugh in zombie fiction when people are just like we're the walking dead and if you fall into that military survivalist mindset You're just like the zombies. It's like, no, you're not. You are surviving a zombie apocalypse. And I don't mean to say that those are great people who like do good things, but they're not the same as the zombies. They're monsters in their own right. At the end of his message, society has fallen, guys. And he ends his message with Godspeed and God bless America. Well, Megan, it's commentary. It is. It is commentary. I just find it funny. And also, the film was made in Toronto. Yes. Which is very funny for God Bless America. Yeah. It's like, you mean uh, Canada? God Bless Canada? I do appreciate that Nora, somewhat sarcastically after that, was like, USA, USA. It's good. Nora's great. Nora's, Nora's great. great. Uh, Nora's Leo great. Tipton, shout out once again. Once again. Once again. Uh, oh, oh, another thing that happens during this thing is the character of Perry. He's there, and he believes in this message. And he's dating Julie. And Julie tries to hold his hand during this message. And he just goes, no, listen. Listen, I can't hold your hand. While listening. (laughs) Okay, so Perry is obviously Paris because of the name. But in this, Julie's in love with Paris and likes Paris. And it's not like a setup thing. It's But he is, you know, a a human. Like how Paris is noble. And that's about where that ends. Well, here's the thing, Megan. Perry is played by Dave Franco, who is James Franco's brother, and he is bad. Yeah. He's more conventionally attractive than his brother. Yes. That's where I'll end my compliments. So the reason why these teens are gathered is because they need to go supply hunting. So they go to, like, a lab or, like, a pharmacy in order to get medication. We see the group of them walking... And we see a group of the corpses walking and it's like, oh, are we now getting act one, scene one of Romeo and Juliet? No, we're not. No, Megan. we're not. No. Do you want to know why? And we'll get to it when the fight starts. But the production, because this is the first time. That yeah, this is the party. This is the party. It's not the fight. It's the party. Yeah. But 
come on. Yeah. It's the same. It's it both. But the production company mentioned like, oh, it's where they first meet. So it's at the party. Oh, one thing I want to note is uh, this one dude is playing a fully functioning PSP, which I want to know why they allow him to use the energy resources of their... He's got ADHD and they don't have meds, so uh, they so just let him. I would love if that was the reasoning why this guy has just a PSP. Because Dave Franco's like, are you going to help? And he's just like, I'm playing my PSP, dude. <laughs> to show that he's a hard ass, but he's not really a hard ass Honestly, when the guy's literally doing no work he's doing no work they're on a supply run and then zombies show up which was always a threat so yeah he shouldn't be distracted by his psp he should be helping them get in and out as quick as possible but yeah like i said the zombies show up and, and so there's a fight there's a big fight and it's we see R, see Julie, and instead of like across a party where there's a bunch of people, it's a bunch of bullets and blood. And he's like, whoa, well, who's Ma- that girl? Megan, it's not a bunch of blood. There's not a bunch of blood. Because the people being shot are zombies and they don't bleed. No, I, but I was meaning that the zombies are killing humans oh, and yeah. it's ripping blood. But also there's not a lot of blood. There's because, not. <laughs> because it's a PG-13 movie and so when a zombie gets like shot in the head, they just yeah. kind of like throw their heads back. But like, no, And when like no zombies viscera. eat humans, they really just kind of show them picking up them having some blood on their hands. <laughs> yeah. As he's distracted by Julie and basically has hard eyes, Perry, instead of being like, ah, I will ask her father for her hand, is like, that's a zombie and shoots R. And then R, instead of waiting until the final scene to kill Paris, uh, just kills him right now and eats his brain. To be fair, Perry sucks. Perry does suck. So here's my question. Megan, this is where I question this film okay in eating perry's brain yeah he gets his thoughts emotions and memory yeah does r only like julie because it was incited by him no his brain that's why they specifically have him give a slow-mo oh my god look at her before eating perry because otherwise you'd think that and be like, that's obviously what it is. But they try to make it so you don't know that that's the case by having him be like, oh my God, starstruck by this hot girl. However, I think it would be an interesting film if they in any way, shape or form had him question. Yeah, I wish that he questioned it and then realized that, no, I do like her. Yes, because it is a concept that is brought up but is not explored in any way. Because he just uses the brain of Perry to learn things about her and who she is, which is kind of creepy. Yeah, Uh, like he approaches her after this and says her name. Yes. Which he wouldn't know and is terrifying. In the world of not zombies, this is stalker behavior. (laughs) And in the world of zombies, this is one, what the hell that zombie just talked. Two, he knew my name. Oh, and she uh, stabs him in the heart. She throws a knife. Yeah, get it? It's like how Romeo has been stabbed by love. This is the Holy Palmer's kiss moment. Yeah, and instead of palm to palm, he puts his palm on her cheek and smears zombie goop on her so that the other zombies don't bite her. Okay, this is a zombie rule that I dislike in most fiction. When they're like, you smell like a corpse, they won't come after you. Yes. And they put like a dollop... And apparently zombies smell that bad that 
a dollop of it is enough, and she has no reaction to the smell, so I don't think they smell that bad. But Megan, wouldn't all humans smell bad in a world where everything is rotting? It's different bad. They smell like B.O., which is superhuman. I also want to bring up something else. Okay. So, typically in Romeo and Juliet, Romeo has a girl that he likes before Juliet. And Rosalind. Rosalind. On Hulu. On Hulu. (laughs) And in the book, he does. I mean, he doesn't really necessarily like her. There's this weird thing, apparently, in the book. Where R's in the airport and he meets another zombie girl who's like his age. And then they go through the motions of a relationship, like progressing to marriage within a couple minutes. And then they're given two children. And then she leaves. She like forgets about him and has sex with another zombie. And by sex, I mean like she kisses a zombie. I don't know. She does something. And one... Throughout this film, you will see two specific corpse children constantly looking at Nicholas Holt Zombie. And I think they're a reference to those kids that he's given. And uh, I don't know. That's just what I think. And two, yeah, he's supposed to have just recently been spurned by some zombie chick. And then find Julie and like her. So it's supposed to be even more like Romeo and Juliet. Uh, Yeah, so that's wild. But what's even more wild is that in the film... He is like, cool, I smeared goop on you. Come with me to zombie land. Okay, Megan, at this point is where in the film I said to you, he's really not like other boys. So he lives in an airplane and he brings her up to his airplane. His cool pad. His cool pad with his stuff. Because he's Wally. Because he's Wally. Okay, he collects. He, like, doesn't know why. So he, like, takes certain things and puts it in his pad. And he doesn't know why. And that's Wally. That's Wally. He's Wally. Wally. And since he has a hard time communicating, even though he does kind of stutter stuff, and Julie is obviously not about this, instead of trying to talk to her, he just eats more of her dead boyfriend's brain to get to know more about her. We find out that her mom is dead. Which happens in a lot of productions of Romeo and Juliet when they don't have enough cast members. My note here, Megan, is um, a real nightmare is being trapped in Dave Franco's mind. I gotta say, I know that it's probably, you know, for payment purposes, but Dave Franco has a lot of memories of his own face. Yeah, he does. We find out that Julie sneaks out past the wall fairly frequently. At one point, she led Perry out past the wall, and he was like, my dad hasn't come home in a while. And we're like, oh, Paris backstory. I don't care. She's just like, everything's okay. My dad barely checks up on the construction people. And sometimes he disappears for weeks at a time, too. And I was like, yeah, because it's a movie, so um, he's not going to be fine. Yeah, and it turns out, yeah, he got eaten. He's a zombie. And then Julie shot him in the head and took Perry back home. And that's why Perry sucks. Like, that's the reasoning they gave us to why he is not like. Yeah, because he was instantly like, I want to kill every corpse. Yeah, I'm a hard ass. I love America. And R's like, oh, dang, I got to comfort her and give her a blanket. And don't be creepy. Don't be creepy. Don't be creepy. And then he gives her a blanket. And what happens, Marquez? His cold, dead heart suddenly becomes a very bright red animated heart that beats a beat. (gasps) He's coming alive. Also, zombies breathe. I mean, he's breathing. I just want to say, like, he's 
been breathing a lot and like the zombies make breath sounds. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that makes sense with the whole their hearts don't beat, they don't bleed, etc. Because I don't know how lungs would then function. But anyway. <laughs> Julie's hungry. Uh-oh. She, she wants food. She can't go out there. They're zombies. So he goes to find some and she goes to leave because that makes sense for her. But oh, wait, they're zombies. It's okay. R's back because he just knows. And he smears more goop on her. And he tells her to start acting like a zombie. And she does in a very Shaun of the Dead way. And she does it a little too much. And he yells at her for appropriating his culture. No, he just goes, <laughs> <No>. too much. <laughs> but I would have loved it if he turned over. Yeah, I went, not cool, man. <laughs> wow. Is that That's what how you see <laughs> us? <laughs> That's how you see us? Uh, that would have been too much. So they're back on the plane, I guess. And well, well, they know they find her food. They find her some fruit cocktail. And then a Corona that has to be skunked by now. It has to be, Megan. I looked it up. Coronas only last like one year. If you keep them... Okay, so I don't know if we mentioned this. Oh, we, we know that this started... We need to mention Eight this. years ago? Yes. Eight years ago is when the zombie apocalypse okay. started. Megan, it's time. It's timeline talk. Timeline talk. <laughs> she is given a beer that one has to have not been refrigerated for eight years. Yes. Two, she says, I can't think of the last time I had a beer. We look it up. She is 19. That means she was 11 when this started. So like, yeah, at the beginning, people were probably drinking a lot of beers because it's the apocalypse and you're freaking out and you drink beer. So what, was she like 11, 12, 13 drinking a bunch? Maybe. Maybe, but I don't know if that's a thing you want to mention in your PG-13 film. And I'm going to mention this now so I don't mention it later. It happens later. But we find out that R collects LPs, vinyl, because he's cool, because this is past 2010, so it's cool. It sounds more alive, man. That's how music <laughs> is supposed to sound. Yeah, man. So he's a hipster, and she mentions... Oh, uh, there's this really cool record store. And again, you look to the timeline and you go, was she an 11 year old girl who loves a record store? Like this is possible. But Marquez, is, what? I got to tell you something about past Megan. Were you an 11 year old girl who loved a record store? I was a nine to 12 year old girl. Who loved vinyl? I didn't love vinyl, but there was this record store in my hometown Okay. And they had vinyls and CDs and band shirts and all this stuff. And it was my favorite store. Okay, so she's just you without the alcohol. Yeah. Okay, never mind. I rescind this. It's Well, I'm her without the alcohol. She's me with a bunch of alcohol. Yes, but I will rescind my statement. Apparently, weirdos stores, exist. <laughs> apparently, record stores are cool. <laughs> and people went to them. I wasn't a music kid which is a weird thing. I'm actually the outlier because my statement is, I didn't listen to much music growing up. But yeah, so then we looked up, how old is R? And R is 21, which means I have to assume that he was 21. When he died. When he died. Because zombies don't age. Which means... He's like 28, the, 29. He's 29, technically. Because that's better than what the wiki says, which the wiki for Warm Bodies says he died at 
13. And he aged? And aged as a zombie, which makes literally no sense, Wiki. You're stupid. What you should say is he's 21, but the years he's been on the earth is 29. Yeah. Like, it broke my brain. That Wiki is stupid. I'm sorry. Whoever made it, you did a bad job. So now they're starting to talk because she's had beer and that brings everyone together, apparently. And she's like, what's your name? And he's like, R. And then it stops because he can't remember his full name. And she starts guessing a bunch of names. None of them are Romeo, I'll just say. But he's like, no, it's none of them. And so they decide they're just going to stick with R. Now they drive a car. Yeah, there's a car at the airport that apparently the gas still works. And the car still works after eight years of Uh, sitting still. Not just sitting still, sitting in open air. Yeah, that too. Not in a hermetically sealed garage. No, there is a roof, but uh, that's it. I think the gas would have... Expired. Expired, It would have gone out. It would have evaporated. Yes. It wouldn't work. But then she's like, you drive. That's unsafe. I think she had more than one Corona. (laughs) Or it... Became stronger (laughs) over eight years. Yeah. We also learned that he's a millennial zombie because he shrugs all the time. She calls him a shrugger. Stop shrugging, shrugger. Which I like. It connects with my anti-nihilism thing in which him shrugging is like him just being non-committal, a millennial. These millennial zombies uh, just letting life You should want to work. They have a lot of fun doing random things with items that we have to kind of remember. He steals these from people that he eats. Hey, Megan. Yeah? One of the things that she shows is a DVD with a zombie on it. And that the says word, zombies. And this is so frustrating Why to do me. you call them corpses if you know zombies is a thing? If there's one thing I hate about the zombie genre... It is like, the shamblers are coming. Watch out for the shamblers. The zabamb. Yeah, like, just call them zombies. The risen dead. Why can't you just call them zombies? They're zeds. Why? Outside, we see M look up suspiciously at the plane that has music and laughter. I guess. Yep. And then R's like, Julie, I'm going to touch your upper boob to reference that my upper boob also beats. And she's just like, what are you? Which she'll ask like seven more times in this film. Yep. I actually think it's only three. I think they stick to the rule of threes, but it doesn't land. Keep you safe. What are you? It's just basically their two lines. And then he eats more Perry brain, which of course has the memory of him attacking Perry and seeing how monstrous he looks and he spits it out and he's like, oh God. And then he turns back and Julie's gone. And she's getting surrounded by zombies. And she's got a weed whacker. We did this scene before, Megan. This is the exact same scene. No, it's different. They're inside this time and she has a weed whacker that for some reason still is running. Yep, 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 yep. And then R punches his friend and kills a zombie. Like, he's fighting zombies. Yeah. And, and they run. They run. And she's just like, okay, but actually, like, let me go home. And M's like, what the hell are you doing? I mean, he doesn't say that. He just says, like, eat. eat. Living, eat. Yeah, living, eat. eat. And he shouts, eat for a while. And then, uh oh, bonies. bonies. And then M runs over the bonies. 
with a luggage cart. That's also still working. And then he's like, you guys okay? He says it much more like a zombie, but he asks R if R's okay. Here's the thing, And Megan. he shrugs. Here's the thing, Megan. We literally just saw M say, living eat. And he gets punched once. and That jostled the brain juice oh, and made him realize it. it's love. And so then Julie is just like. You're going to help us? What? Like she is very like non-trusting. And he's like, like her. Which again, uh, doesn't make sense. And then they're like, uh-oh. And they turn around and all the zombies are there again. But now it's she different. holds R's hand and all of the zombies are like, oh, hand holding. And then they like shuffle a little bit forward. Like, wait, but food. And then R and Julie walk towards them still holding hands. And they're like, oh, man, no, wait, I love love. Uh Oh, bony. So they drive away to get away from the bonies and they drive to a subdivision. And they're like, maybe there's food here. And then they find a camera that. The film was- A Polaroid specifically. Again, I don't mean to be cinema sins, but that camera would not be functioning. I don't think we see them open a new pack of film. No. Well, no, Megan, even so, even in the case, it would have an expiration date yeah. that would be under a year. That's why it's so expensive now, because they don't make it. But she's like, we got to take pictures because everything you see, you may be seeing for the last time. Perry used to say that. Remember Perry, my love of my life. I love Tim Perry. Ate. And then we like cut ahead. And she's like, all right, bedtime. I'm going upstairs. You can come with me, but she you're sleeping this, on the floor though. She does this like, I'm going to go up the stairs. I actually, I'm going to turn back and ask if you want to come upstairs with me. But she like doesn't pause at all. She's like, all right, I'm going upstairs. Do you want to come? Like, there's not a moment of like, actually, which I think they wanted, but that wasn't how it was done. And we cut to the zombies. Okay. This is important. This is important. M is looking at a photo of hands being held, which apparently he just never noticed before. And suddenly he remembers his Asian wife. Great. Good for him. Oh, and then a black zombie comes up. And he's like, I remember too. Your your wife. (laughs) I love love. I loved your Asian wife. And their hearts start beating. But Megan, uh oh, bonies, because bonies come and they are straight up Care Bear villains because they're just like a heart. I eat heart. You are getting new hearts. I'll eat it. Um, num, num, num. Yeah, I don't know if we mentioned this. The one thing we know about bonies besides that they're what happens when you give up is they will eat anything with a heartbeat is what was said. So we see everyone suddenly getting a heartbeat and then bonies are like, Bleh! yep, and they scream in M's face and then it cuts away and I'm like. Is that it? Is it just a warning? And then we see Colonel Grigio is looking for his daughter. And Julie and R are looking in the window and see that. And she like pushes him down. And she's like, he would have killed you. If he saw you, he would have just shot you and you'd be gone. And I'm like, oh, like in the balcony scene where she's just like, if my kinsmen see you, you're fucking dead, man. Yep. And then she's like, all right, I'm going to get naked. Don't look. And he's like, yeah. And he looks the whole damn time. Yeah, and he gets a zombie boner. He just goes like, oh my God. Oh my God, what? And immediately after that, she's like, you're a good person. (laughs) I kind of liked it. I like her saying he's a good person. I don't like that she says it right after he ignores her boundaries. Yep. But of course, the point of it is for him to be like, "Uh, about that, I killed and ate Perry. And he hands her the watch that he stole that he's just had in his hoodie pocket this whole time, I'm guessing. And all she does, she's like, I knew it. I hoped I was wrong. 
And she just turns away from him. Yep. And he apologizes and she doesn't turn back. But it's not like she left the room or told him to leave. Like, she's still very much just like, well, this is the situation. Okay. But then, Megan, our dreams. (gasps) But the dead don't sleep. Zombies aren't supposed to dream. He sees uh, Nora and Julie and Perry in an orchard. And they're like, what would you do if the zombie apocalypse didn't happen? And Nora's like, I'd be a nurse. Because I'm the nurse from Romeo and Juliet. Yo! Well, actually, I really like it because she says, like, I would want to look for a cure. Yeah. Which is mentioned earlier, like, do you think we're close to a cure? And then Perry's just like, there's no cure. There's no cure. Nobody's looking for a cure anymore. And I like that Nora wants Leo Tipton. I like you in this movie. I like you. Anyway, Perry looks up and he's like, well, what are you doing here, corpse? Corpses don't dream. And then Julie's like, what would you want, R? You could have anything. And he's just like, you, I want to be with you. And Perry's like, not after you killed her boyfriend. Here's why this doesn't work for me. A, because you showed that they had a strained relationship. And also in a previous scene, she literally sits there and he just goes, I'm not sad that he's dead because everyone dies. So I'm like, did you really care about Perry that much? Where are we on this whole Perry and you relationship? Because it feels like you literally did not give a shit about him. She apparently liked him a lot because by morning she's gone. R goes back to being sad Romeo. Yeah, he's falling into remorse and nihilism. And that's what the bonies are, Megan. He can't do that. Yeah, he says, it's easier not to feel than I wouldn't have to feel like this. That's a very Romeo thing to say. Yes. Well, it's a very Hamlet thing to say, let's be real. That's a very Shakespearean young man thing to say. Yep. And then Julie finally runs out of gas, but she's like two blocks away from the wall, so who cares? Yeah, and then she's questioned by the guy at the gate, and he puts a scanner over her eye in order to see if she's a zombie. And she's just like, why do we have to do this? I'm not a zombie. I didn't get bitten. Yeah, because people lie, and that's a thing in zombie fiction. Which obviously you guys have, so come on. Like, I don't get why she's so adamant. It's like she wants to take the privilege of being the general's daughter. Yeah, but like... But also doesn't want to be the general's daughter. Like, I get that you discovered that zombies can have feelings and stuff, but you should still follow the protocol set in place to make sure that the entire camp is not infected by zombieism. Yeah. And then her dad comes out and is like, is she fine? Is she clear? And then he like, is really concerned that she was bit. And she's just like, you don't care. He does care. He very obviously does. And like, yes, he doesn't know that zombies are apparently changing and can talk and have feelings and heartbeats and shit, which you also don't know really at this point, Julie. So why are you so against him? He seems very genuine. And it's not like this is some familial feud with no meaning behind it. Lives are at stake. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. So anyway, the movie turns good. Corpses don't get cold, but R is cold. Yes, because he's in the rain. And you know who joins him in the rain? M with a bunch of zombies. Again, this is where the movie gets... It's because, you know what happens that makes this movie get good? It's literally the moment where M starts talking and having personality. Yes. And then the whole movie skyrockets into a great film. Okay, so spoiler alert, I did not like this film up until this point. It's like an hour into the film. 
And in this scene, M1 walks up and says, yo. Yo. Which... <laughs> and then goes to shake our's hand and R gives him a hug. And you're like, yeah, okay. And then he's like, the bonies chased us out. And I came to find you. Where's the Where's girl? Julie? My OTP, where are you? And R just goes, she went home. And M says, are you okay? As a reference to the earlier scene where his response was a shrug. And instead, R says, no. no. Which is a big thing. It's growth. The non-committal shrugger has felt something real. But M's perfect response to this is... Bitches, man. <laughs> This film is great. And then they say that they are looking to get away from the bonies. And he's like, the bonies are looking for you specifically. And ours just like shrug, Shrug. non-committal again. And her and ours like, what? We have to go. We have to go. And then M's just like, I had pictures in my head. Cream of wheat. This is good. This is good. I I really love. Yes. I love that. He's just like people things specifically cream of wheat and ours just like that's a dream man and he's just like dream yes yeah and it's like okay we gotta do something we gotta like tell them that something's changing and things are happening we gotta fight the bonies and then all the zombie (laughs) crowd just goes because they can't pay actors to have lines right so just saying er is not a line so they don't have to pay them yeah and then um looks to them and comes back and says they said fuck yeah <laughs> and that's the best use of a fuck in a pg-13 movie that i've seen in a long time Megan. <sighs> you get one non-sexual fuck in a pg-13 movie and they found it oh it's so good the plan is for r to go into the human settlement and find julie yes so he does he goes in he passes like a hundred people no one notices him at all there's a deleted scene where some kids notice him and are like are you dead and he's like no no and it's very good and they cut it and i'm mad because it really bothered me that no one who's been on high alert to look out for zombies for the past eight years noticed a zombie we find out that julie lives in a mansion Yeah, and she's just sitting there gossiping with Nora, very Juliet and nurse. She's like, there's this corpse. I don't know, he's cute. And she does say here, corpse is just a word that we use. And I'm like, that's what's in a name. A rose by any other name would smell sweet. That's that line, but for this. Or it's also, wherefore out thou Romeo? Because it's like, yeah, yeah, he's a zombie, a corpse. What is it like? If he's feeling... And then Nora is great. Because she kind of makes fun of like, yeah, she's she, just like, okay, oh, see, your zombie boyfriend. Okay, see, so I like this genre convention making fun of because it's making fun of the genre that the film actually is, which is a teen romance zombie yes. comedy. So when she says like, oh, your zombie boyfriend, I'm like, well, and she's like, I know you miss Perry, but this is weird. I wish the internet was working so I could look up what was wrong with you. And that's very good. Again, the Leo Tipton. Have sweet dreams about your zombie. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. And then it's followed up by the balcony scene yes. from Romeo and Juliet. And... She once again gets a line of like, what are you doing? It's dangerous. If my kinsmen see you, you're you're dead. I love that Nora is just like, who the hell are you talking? Like, She's like, <laughs> shut up. I'm trying to sleep instead of the like, madam, yeah. madam. And then she just comes out. Yeah. Instead of I love it. having to have the whole because like, that, leave. Because he can't. That's what would happen in real life yes. though, Megan, is that the person saying, who are you talking to would come out. And be like, okay, but really, who are you talking to? Is that the zombie? 
And I like that she's just like, oh, he cute. Yeah. Like, actually, though, sad little Nick Holt. And they're like, thank God dad got pulled into an emergency meeting for plot convenience. Because <laughs> we could just bring him in. And then she's just like looking at him being like, he's cute. But how old are you? Are you like 20 or in your teens? Because you've got a face that could be either. I love that. That's, That's great. obviously a commentary on Nick Holt's face. Also, uh, people playing teenagers when they're like in their 20s yes. and 30s in film. Great. And they're like, your dad would freak out. One time you stole a peach schnapps and you were grounded for a year. So, okay. okay. She, she did drink in the past. How old was she? Yeah. Because you know what? If a 12-year-old stole a peach schnapps, I might ground them for close to a year. Their plan is to disguise R as a human by using makeup. Megan, okay. Polaroid film. Expired. Beer. Expired. I like that they mention that Nora says... This is makeup that I have hoarded and saved up for a special occasion. I like that she says that because it implies that it is a resource that they don't have access to. Also, that it most likely is unopened. Yes. Because makeup does expire, but it does last long. And I mean, expired makeup, really the problem with it is like it can fuck up your skin. But if you're dead, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. And, like, it won't be as nice. It won't sit as nice, which doesn't matter at this point. I'm trying to think a Romeo and Juliet thing that this is. The closest I can think is, um, nothing. No, there's nothing There's like nothing, this. and I wish there was. They shower him. Yeah, we get a Nicholas Holt shower scene. He's very cute. Then they start to put makeup on him. Nora puts on the song Pretty Woman and at the beginning. and It's, it's so oh, good. Wait, well, sorry. The it song, starts playing. Yes, and then we find out it's diegetic and that Nora put it on to put makeup on. And our... Julie's just like, are you kidding me? And she's like, what? And, and that... that's great. Yes, okay. But it... then she changes it yeah. to a different song. I'm sad. So here's the thing. In the shower, backing up, backing up, backing up. We don't know how R died. Yeah. We have to assume he got, he bitten, got bit. But we don't see any But bites. we don't see any bite marks. Corpses don't bleed. Yes. But he has a bullet hole that, oh, a scar from a bullet that has a dried trail of blood running from it. So I'm like, was he shot to death and then bitten by a zombie? Or was he shot and then just the virus in the air turned him into a zombie? Because if this is true, which the movie is certain that this is true because both zombies and humans say it, that zombies don't bleed. Yes. Why does he have a trailing blood I don't know. mark and a scar from a bullet? I don't know. Just saying. My question is, Megan, in order to show Nick Holt as R as a human, did they get rid of makeup or did they put makeup on him? No, no, no they put makeup on him. Okay. Because he has very... Accentuated features. Accentuated okay. features. He's got contouring. He's got blush. Okay, like, okay. Because my brain is like, I would love it if they were like, you look so beautiful and it was just Nick Holt without makeup. <laughs> like they just got rid of his zombie makeup and he looked like just normal Nick Holt. No, they, they put okay. on makeup. See, also, that's why I asked you because- Yeah, you, I'd notice. Also, yeah. Nora says, hold up. You look hot. It's good. Good, Nora. Which yes, is great. Correct. And that's absolutely what the nurse would say. Meanwhile, we find out that John Malkovich is gathering his forces in order to gathering things. Yeah, they're like, we're going to blow up all the zombies or something. Like, I, I don't know how this is different than anything. I guess it's just they're going to go out and attack instead yeah. of just reacting to being attacked. 
But anyway, Nora, R, and Julie are like, we've got to talk to your dad and show him that things are changing. And they get stopped by the guard who did the eye scan thing. And he's just like, it's classified. You can't come back here because it's classified. And Nora's like, you know what's classified? Your ass. That's not what she says. She's like, we have classified business. You get out of the way. And it's great. That's a very, again, a very nurse thing to do. Yes. She obfuscates by being busy. And then we find out that there are sizable packs of skeletons, which is what they call the bonies. Mm -hmm. Humans do. Wait, Megan. Oh, man. This brings up something. Yeah. Do they just all collectively know the name bonies? Has M said the word bonies to R before? Because M says the word bonies, but R has it in his brain that the name is bonies. Oh, yeah. That's... Hey, now, what if they just, like, looked at a bony eating something and they turned to each other and went, "Mm, bony. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I have to imagine that happened in one of their conversations once. But yeah, so they call them skeletons and they say there are sizable packs of skeletons and corpses approaching the human settlement and they don't know why. But we know that the corpses are coming because they're trying to be like, hey, we're better, please save us from the bonies. And the bonies are trying to kill everyone. And Julie confronts her dad and tries to convince him that corpses have thoughts and feelings and they're coming back alive. No, you're stupid, daughter. They're not becoming vegan. They don't eat broccoli. They eat brains. I don't think that Grigio is at fault here. He's seen no proof of this. And that's maybe she's been reading Twilight. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Well, maybe the stress of a post-apocalyptic environment has... Also, she was like kidnapped. As far as he knows, she was kidnapped by zombies for multiple days and and escaped. escaped. Yeah. So it's like, hey, maybe you're having a stress break. Like, you've broken. Yeah. This is your first night back. And since this is going very unwell, R decides to... I'll just tell him. What is the military man's reaction to a zombie? Walking up to him and being like, hi. Uh, To pull his gun on him. Yeah. But then you know who has an even more badass reaction? Nora, who pulls a gun on him and is like, sorry, General Grigio. Megan, my notes are... Nora for the win. This is the best character. This movie is good. (laughs) She's like, get out of here to Julian R. And they like run away. And he says something snide to her. And she's just like, I'm the nurse. I don't care, Mr. Capulet. You're just my boss. And so they go to find the zombies. And they got a lot more than last time. Emma's been sharing oral fanfic across the zombie lands. Well, Megan, wording. I'll stick with it. And Emma's just like, don't worry. We'll hold back the bonies because, uh-oh, bonies. Uh-oh, bonies. They're climbing the stadium that they're all gathered in. Then they break through because, like, you know, the weight of all of them just, like, collapses the roof. And I know M was just like, don't worry. Me and these zombies who barely know what's going on, we're going to hold them back. And we see the bonies just, like, ripping them apart. <laughs> but at the same time, soldiers are coming out because they're launching their attack. We cut to a soldier who's just getting attacked by a bony and then a zombie hits the bony in the head and helps the soldier up. And the soldier's like, what? What? And then soldiers find the zombies fighting the bonies in that big atrium area. And they're like, who the hell do we shoot? And M throws a bony towards them and says, this asshole. (laughs) And then they just shoot him up full of bullets. 
And then, uh, oops, all bonies. Oops, all bonies. Okay, so this is the part where I kind of just stop paying attention because it's just a lot of running and fighting. Oh, the bonies show up. They get fought. The humans are helping the zombies. And this really just culminates in R and Julie. They're trapped. They're like at a window and there's all bonies blocking them. Oops, all bonies. Oops, all bonies. And R's just like, I'll protect you, which, you know, he says, protect you, like, throughout the whole film. And he pulls her into his chest and falls backwards out the window so that they'll land on him and he'll cushion the fall into this very shallow fountain. And they survive. And And she's like, oh my God, are you alive? Oh my God. And then he's fine. And then they kiss. And then they're like, oh, hold up. That was great. (laughs) And they kiss more. And then R gets shot. Bam. Yeah, like his eyes turn blue and you're like, oh, he's oh, he's okay. like a human now. And then you just hear a gunshot and you see him get hit. And she's like, no, dad, they need us, please. He's bleeding. Oh my God, he's bleeding. And they're like, wait, what? what? Corpses don't bleed. Oh my God. And I'm like, <laughs> he's bleeding a lot, actually. <laughs> you should probably do something about that. And Grigio's like, wait, the situation's changed. And she's like, yay, Yay. dad, everything's forgiven. Because he, you know, says, don't kill the zombies, just kill the bonies. And then we go back to voiceover. And he's just like, I wish we could say we killed the bonies with love, but we straight up killed them all. It's kind of messed up. (laughs) I love that they were just like, well, we couldn't save them with love. So, well, uh, just bang, bang. So now we have the new world. R and Julie are together, and all the zombies are moving into the human settlement. Nora's a nurse, and she works to help identify that zombies are alive. Yeah! And she did help with the cure, Megan, because she helped Julie and R, so she did do what she wanted. What she wanted in a dream that... Well, dream memory? Yeah, I'm like, is this from a memory that he ate? Well, what are dreams but memories rearranged in your own brain? M flirts with a girl. Oh, it's so good. Okay, so we see zombies, like, learning how to do human life. Like, one's learning catch. One's just staring at water in the sun and just being like, oh, it's nice. Yeah. The kids that I believe are Nicholas Holt's kids. Yes, 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 yes. Well, I mean, ours kids from the book are playing hide and seek in the woods with a bunch of human kids. Anyway, M, it's raining. Mm -hmm. Because of course it is. And he's having trouble. With his umbrella. He can't get it out. And he's like, zombie fingers. As this human woman helps open it. Open it. And then he's like, okay, cool, thanks. And then he's like, wait. And he like comes after her and like holds it over. And she's like, no, I like the rain. And he's just like, no, I insist. And she asks his name. And his name is Marcus. There we go. Mercutio confirmed. Mercutio. He's like, you're very pretty. (laughs) And she says, thank you, Marcus. And he says, now you're supposed to say I'm pretty too. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Oh, yeah. And then we cut to the couple that we're supposed to care about more, but I don't. They've had the whole film. I want to know more about Marcus and unnamed lady. But she's like, do you want a different name now? And he's like, no, I'll stay with R. And she's like, just R. Okay. You don't want your old life back? And he's like, no, I want this one. And then we see them tearing down the wall. Just, Mr. Gorbachev. Just, I, guess, I was about to say, just like the Berlin Wall, the wall comes down. Uh, but that's the film. 
That's we did it. it. We did it. Woo! We did it. How does this fare as an adaptation, Megan? It doesn't. It's not really one. Uh, okay, here's how it fares as an adaptation. Yeah. The feud is better. Yes. It makes more sense. Well, because it's life and death. I like Marcus more than Mercutio. Me too. <laughs> he has on. the same... Okay, so Mercutio is supposed to be this, like, rapscallion cat type. Know what it is? It's less is more. Less is more. He's got the same, like, spitfire attitude. We say, like, this asshole, they say, fuck yeah, things like that. But it's all condensed into a nice, palatable package. And he's funny, unlike Mercutio. And Mercutio just says, here's a page and a half about a stupid thing. Yep. I'm sorry. I know that we're in the minority. We're anti-Mercutio. And, like, everyone loves Mercutio, but I love Marcus. I like that the film and the play both have the themes of the world-changing power of love. So I think that it hits that mark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they get to survive. Yes. Which is Fine. not, no. and they don't even fake their deaths at any point. No. Let's well, be real. Opposite. The, they do fake life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the opposite. Oh yeah. Of, no. So that is what that makeup scene is. Yeah. That's them faking their deaths. It's him faking his life. Yeah. So that's good. That works. Yeah. It works. Uh, I mean, it's very much an inspiration instead of a true adaptation. Well, because listen. He fakes his life and then he becomes really alive, just like Juliet fakes her death and then becomes really dead. True. A perfect foil. Roger Ebert didn't review this film. MVP? It's Nicholas Holt as R, but I really want to say Leo Tipton as Nora, but I- It's so hard, because yeah, I really want to say Leo Tipton or Marcus, but like, we have to give it to Nick Holt. Yeah, he did a good job and he did a lot with like no lines. He has like no lines, but also he's like 80% of the lines. And he's doing it well. (laughs) Well, here's the thing, Megan. Nicholas Holt in interviews on the DVD was like, oh man, she would be saying like a whole page of lines and I would just have to be like, keep you safe. (laughs) And I was like, where in this do I say keep you safe? I have to remember. So his brain would have to be super active while his body was not active at all because he'd have to remember when he said his like two lines in the scene. And I think that that's impressive and we should give him credit for it. And we do. Yep. Congratulations, Nicholas Holt. You're in the running for MMVP. MMVP. Do you want to know what I think Shakespeare would say? Of course I do, Megan. I think he would say, Love devouring death, do what he dare. It is enough I may but call her mine. While looking at Nicholas Holt. I say that when I look at Nicholas Holt. (laughs) Megan, what would you rate Warm Bodies? I would rate Warm Bodies... Three great swears by Marcus Mm. out of four human teens. Marquez, what would you rate Warm Bodies? I would rate it 3.5 out of 5. Okay. All right. I think that's just about going to do it for us here on Spooptober Month on Avant Bard. If you liked what you heard, you could follow us on all social media at Avant Bard Pod. If you really liked what you heard, you could support us financially at patreon.com slash avantbardpod. You could also visit our new website at bit.ly slash avantbard. Uh, yeah, bloopers for this episode will be posted on Patreon next week. But, uh, till then, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, see you anon. 
Avant Bard is created by Matthew James Marquez and Megan Charlow. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash avantbardpod. We would like to thank Riley Allen for the creation of our theme music, Cloverkin for our logo artwork, and everyone in the audience for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Avant Bard, you can visit us on all social media platforms at Avant Bard Pod.